Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Good morning as you join us for this Church at Home session. I trust that you've enjoyed a time of worship together with your loved ones. There is something so beautiful and precious about just lifting up the name of Jesus through our song. I'm sitting here in the studio in front of this white wall and I would so much rather be sitting in a room with you, being able to speak face to face, being able to pray together, to share together, to laugh together, perhaps to cry together to pray together, to break bread together. And I so long for the day when as a church we're able to gather again in that way. In the meantime, we do have the technology and at least we're able to share a few thoughts from the Word in this way. And so today we're going to look a little bit just that I believe what God is calling us as believers to keep on keeping on. Before we do that, can I ask that we close our eyes and just pray together for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word, which is still truth, remains truth, has always been truth. And so we bring our hearts and our lives before you. We ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would use these words that I speak today, that somehow that Holy Spirit, you would use these words to resonate within hearts. We want to say again today that our desire is not for the words of any man. We know that also, we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so today we come before you, Father, humbly asking that you would speak to us, asking that you would heal us and restore us, that you would reveal truth to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. There is this really powerful passage that we read in the book of Philippians, where Paul is, is writing to the church and he's giving a little bit of his own history, his testimony. This is not the start of his life. This is closer towards the end of his ministry. And I want us to read from this passage here in Philippians chapter 3, from verse 13 and 14. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul writes here about this heavenly prize that he is pressing onto, that he is pressing into, that he is making the focus of his life. And today I want to encourage you that there is a heavenly prize that awaits you, that God has stored up in heaven for you treasures. He's, Jesus says that he went ahead, he went up and he goes to prepare a place for us. And not only has he gone to prepare a place, he has gone to prepare a prize. And here we see Paul speaking into that a little bit. He says this is what drives him. This is what keeps him going. We're going to, at the end, come back again to this passage and look at some of the other elements that he highlights here. But first, I want us just for a moment to think about this idea of a heavenly prize. We see something quite similar at the end of Acts where Paul is on trial. He's been on trial for a number of years already. And now he's before Festus and King Agrippa. And 
as he's speaking to them, he's speaking specifically to King Agrippa, and he shared his testimony, he's told him all that God has done in his life. And then he quotes this really beautiful, really powerful little phrase, and he says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In Philippians, he spoke about the heavenly prize which awaits him. And I believe the heavenly prize is connected to the heavenly vision. And specifically, our faithfulness to the heavenly vision. And a little bit later, when we get back to Philippians 3, we will see that again. But it is so important for us to know, for you to know today, that there where you are sitting, where you are watching this, perhaps on a laptop, a TV, a phone, a snippet on social media, God has a heavenly vision for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He wants to speak that heavenly vision to us. In the world today, there are so many voices seeking not only for our attention, but for our action. There are a number of really important causes that are stirring people up all around the globe. Sadly, I also know that a number of these causes, not necessarily the heart behind them, not necessarily the element that they're trying to speak into, but the spirit behind some of these causes has one thing in its agenda, and that is to distract you and me from my heavenly vision, to bring us to a point where without us even knowing it, we become disobedient to the heavenly vision. There are so many voices speaking, some of them incredibly loud voices, which are the voices that you are listening to. I hope and pray that today as we go through this passage, as we look at some of these texts, that the Holy Spirit will stir in you again something about a love for the heavenly vision, for His purpose on your life. Many of these voices, these causes are wanting to pull us and fill a little bit of that void for purpose that we all have. For unbelievers, that's fine. So often I'm reminded that we cannot be upset when we're living in a broken world. We'll see this just in a moment with people who are far from Christ who do injustice. Unjust people are going to do unjustly. Last week, Yaku mentioned, I love this phrase he used. He said, we all have some form of mental illness. It's called sin. We all have some form of moral illness. It's called sin. And outside of Christ, outside of the life of Christ, outside of the healing and the restoration, we will remain sinners and be sinful. We will seek to walk over other people. We will seek to abuse them. We will seek to protect ourselves. And we can clothe that as nicely as we will. The reality is that that is what is hidden in every one of us. That is what Christ has come to redeem in us, to make us pure and holy. David prays at one stage, he says, give us clean hands. Give me a clean hand. Get clean hands and give me a pure heart. And so that's part of our prayer today is that God would give us clean hands and pure hearts, that he would redeem his purposes in our lives. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 14, I want us to read just a text from there as well. Then we will no longer be immature like children, this then that's referred to here is when the people that God has called to lead his church, when they're doing their job, in a sense, when I'm doing my job, when our pastors are doing all of our job, that means that all of us as Christians will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. There are some lies doing the rounds which are so clever, they sound like the truth. And as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, there is a, a responsibility on us to exercise discernment. There is a responsibility on you and me to step back and to look at the facts. And importantly, and I'll say a little bit more about this in a moment, to pray about the facts, about the voices. I love parts of social media. There are some beautiful elements in social media. But at the same time, there are some things about social media which I think are really tragic. One of them is that sadly, social media has given everyone a platform. As much as everyone is to be loved, everyone shouldn't have a platform. Especially as believers, we shouldn't give everyone a platform. We should be very careful as to the platforms that we allow to speak into our lives. It's been sad for me, just the state of the church, maybe not only our church, but the church as a whole, and not the whole church, either elements of the church, how easily we have been deceived in these last few months. It's amazing for me how we're drawn at times to this fringe doctor, to this one person, this one scientist who, who says what I like to hear, the one economist who it says what, what I think should be said. And so often they shouldn't have a platform. And yet, sometimes we give them platforms into our lives. We lend our ears to them. Paul writes here to the Ephesians and he says, we should not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like the truth. I've at times laughed, at times been frustrated by some of the messages that I've received even over the last few months. One of the first ones was a long voice note from some pastor who I still not sure who he was about how 5G was actually the cause of the sickness that was going around. There was no virus. But we should not be worried because this pastor, bless his heart, has worked out a whole economic system and we are all just need to buy into that economic system and we will be okay. But 5G is actually the problem. And there have been just a, a number of other stories, whether it has been some conspiracy theory around the governments trying to take over the world. Of course, there are sinister people in every government in the world that try and take over the world. Of course, there are scientists who try and abuse their power posts around vaccines that we're going to receive that are going to place a chip inside of us so that some government agency can control us. And as Christians, I believe one of the reasons why elements of the church are quick to believe that is because of our distrust of government authority. We've been lied to for so long. It's so easy for us to believe any lie that's so clever. It sounds like the truth. And yet Paul warns us against that. He says we should not be swayed to and fro by every wind and wind of doctrine. And he says this in the context with which I want us to read it today around not being disobedient to the heavenly vision. There are various forms of socialism and Marxism which have suddenly become fashion on vogue again. These ideologies which at their core, at their root are atheistic, born out of a desire to break free from God. And as believers, we should be aware of these. We should know in all of these causes, in all of these very just issues within our heart. Who is it that we are aligning with? How is it that we are aligning with Him? And more importantly, are we disaligning from God 
in order to align with spirits that have been sent to distract us from the truth. First Peter chapter 5 says something very similar in verse 8. He starts with, be sober. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. One of the things as Christians we should be is sober-minded. Be watchful in this translation, the English Standard Version. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Your adversary, my adversary, our adversary. And sometimes it is so easy for us to forget that, that we have an adversary who does not play nice. It is so easy for us in our comfortable lives, in our comfortable homes, with our comfortable beds and our comfortable food, around our comfortable heaters. It is easy to forget that there is an enemy who is out to destroy us, who will take no prisoners, who does whatever is necessary to destroy us. He is about destroying lives and he uses lies so clever they look like the truth as a vehicle to enter our hearts to destroy us, to destroy our relationships, and to destroy the heavenly prize that awaits us. Not the prize as such, but our ability to receive that prize. And so part of what I want this morning, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to awaken us this morning, is the reality of the spiritual war we are always finding ourselves in. At times it's more evident than at others. At times we have to Look for it a little bit deeper, not that we're looking for a demon behind every bush, but we need to be aware of the schemes of the wicked one. We need to know what is Satan up to now. We need to remind ourselves that scripture itself tells us that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. And as believers, those who have been redeemed, those who have been released from the sway of the wicked one, it is so important that we do not realign ourselves with the ways of the wicked one. John chapter 10 says that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He has not stopped doing that. He wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy in your life, in our lives, in the church, and the nations of the world. He loves destroying the image of the living God. You and I created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. There are few things that the enemy enjoys as much as destroying that image. And you and I, we need to fight to maintain that image, to keep that image, to shelter that image, to not allow our enemy who is walking around like a roaring lion to be able to destroy us. The enemy comes to destroy. One of the ways in which we can mark the spirit of the enemy is a spirit that is rooted in destruction. You can know that anything that has at its heart, as its modus operandi, of destruction, of destroying people, of destroying lives, of destroying what others have built, is from the enemy. God always builds. He builds people. He redeems. He restores. I love how even through Martin Luther and the Reformation, God didn't come and destroy the church. He reformed the church. He brought change. He built upon that which had already been established. The Spirit of God has always, through the ages, worked in that way. Yes, there are times, clearly, satanic, worldly systems that need to be pulled down, but they're always replaced with something beautiful from God. They are never just torn down and left alone. We're in a time where cancel culture has become a big thing. Social media loves calling out people for their wrongs. 
I want to challenge you as a Christian, and I want to submit before you that there is nothing of Christ in calling out people online on social media. As believers, we should be filled with extending grace. We should be deliberate about extending grace. And by this, I do not mean we should not be there to correct people in love in a private way, in a loving way. I would love to spend some time for us and perhaps in a few weeks' time just to think about some of the incredibly difficult words that Jesus held before us. Words like, turn the other cheek. A word which at this time is not a popular word. Turn the other cheek. When injustice comes into your life, and it will because there are unjust people all around us, how do you respond? I believe a part of our response should involve turning the other cheek. When the Roman soldier, the imperial soldier, who's the oppressive soldier, forces you to carry his equipment for one mile, what is Jesus' response? Take it for two miles. Go the extra mile. We use that term often. That's exactly what it means. Go the extra mile in laying your life down. Following Jesus, serving Jesus, always has at its heart the laying down of ourselves and the building up of others. Paul writes, he says, keep an interest. Look out for the interests of others, not only for your own interests. So I want to encourage us where we're living in a world right now, which is calling us to say, fight for your own interests I want to say, as the church, let's kick against that and fight for others' interests. Let's demonstrate love. Let's show love, not the love of the world. One of the big words, fashionable words over the last decade or so is social justice. I believe God is very much in social justice. I also know that if we're not going to slow down and listen and ask God what he means by social justice, we're going to define justice in human terms. We're going to decide what we think justice should be, and that is what justice will be. And yet I believe God would have a slowdown. Listen to him. Ask him, how does he see justice to be? In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking, and he, he gives this sign of the end times. He says there are a bunch of things that are going to be happening before he returns. I want us to read just a few of those, just very quickly, as we just try to examine and identify where are we, not in the timeline necessarily, but in our own hearts regarding God's return and God's purposes. Let's read here from Matthew chapter 24. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We see God here warning us against lawlessness. He says lawlessness will abound in the end times. He speaks about the coming of the lawless one, speaking about the enemy. And so in a time where some of these social justice movements across the globe and whether it is in the East, on Asia or in America and different social justice elements and in Europe, different causes. But there's one thing which seems to be intrinsic to all of them is lawlessness. Lawlessness. And yet Jesus says that the coming of the lawless one, he says in the end days, lawlessness will will abound. And so I want to, do a new found appeal to you 
how to say, let us be lawful people. Let us love submission. Let us love honoring those that God has appointed over us. It doesn't mean that we don't engage constructively with them, but we don't tear down. We don't break. We don't engage in unlawful actions except for the disclaimer, as we see in the early church, where there's a pro prohibition on preaching the name of Jesus. And so as we, in this time, engaging, wrestling with one another in a healthy way, debating, talking, even in the church, there are so many great conversations around what is just and what is justice. The one thing, though, that I do think is missing, that as we're saying, God, in the midst of this lawless society, in this list of, in the midst of all of this brokenness and all of this hurt, the one thing that I would so love to see a lot more of is quieted prayer, listening prayer. Prayer where we take time out and we allow God to write his agenda on our hearts. Prayer where we don't just come storming through the door with our plans and what we think should happen. But times when we step back and we ask ourselves, what do we really believe? What does scripture say? What is the spirit leading us to say is God's purpose and God's action in this time? Paul also writes at one stage and he says, speaking about food and eating and not eating and all of those things, but he ends with this powerful principle. And he says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith. And so as we want to proceed, whether it's in our daily lives, in our marriages, in our relationships, at our workplace, in some cause that's stirring our heart, it is so important that we first ask ourselves, is this of faith? Is this something that God has initiated, God has stirred, God has planned, God has brought upon my life? Or is this something that there is valid, I can see there is so much merit to it, but its purpose is to distract me from the heavenly vision. I want to maintain the heavenly vision. I want to stay focused on the heavenly vision. I do not want to be distracted from that which God has called me to do. And so as we begin to close, I want us to read that first passage again from Philippians. Paul speaking about the heavenly prize. And in here, I believe there are two elements, two things we can hold on to as we press on, as we press forward, as we want to keep on keeping on with that which God has called us to do. Let's read that passage again. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The first thing that you and I need to learn to be able to do, to press into that which God wants us to hold on to, the heavenly prize to lay hold of it, you and I need to learn to let go, to move on. This is something that in my years I have learned is a common denominator, a common trait among successful people. The ability to move on from disappointment and from hurt. All of us, every one of us carry around with us hurt. There are times when we've been treated unjustly. Just as an aside, one of the big dangers we find ourselves in is the seeming need to compare hurts. The searing need to say that my hurt is bigger than your hurt, whatever it may be. No, your hurt is real and legitimate and you do not need to compare it to anyone else's hurt. But what you do need to do is you need to find a way 
to bring that to the healer, to bring that to Jesus. Tomorrow can either be the sum of all of your yesterdays, or it can be the first day of the rest of your life. You have the opportunity to chart that course, to say in Jesus, behold, he makes everything new, even this, he makes it new. So God, these things in the past, whether it happened yesterday in a relationship, whether it happened weeks ago, months ago, years, generations ago, we all have that baggage. The whole world has that baggage. And yet Christ would want us to cast off those chains, to forget what lies behind, to not hold on to the past, to say, Jesus, you redeem my past. Jesus, will you heal my past? Some of us need to take time and go through that process first. There is a tragic story of a man named Jephthah in the Old Testament. I would love for us to be able to spend time and unpack that. Time today doesn't allow us to do that. Go and read the story of Jephthah, a man who was incredibly gifted, but incredibly hurt. He had a wounded spirit. His wounded spirit caused him to lose his daughter, to lose his family, caused him to act so foolishly and do a number of things which were completely unnecessary. Not because he didn't have gifting, not because he didn't have ability, but he didn't have the ability to let go of the hurt and the pain in his past. Acknowledge your pain. We all have that pain. And bring that pain to Jesus. Allow him to heal it. Some of us need to take time and say, Jesus, there is still hurt here that has not been healed. I have a, a scar on my hand. Sometimes when I preach, people come up to me afterwards and they want to look at my hand because they see my, my finger is a little bit funny. But there's a scar here. and You know, it's not a wound. It used to be a wound. The difference between this scar and a wound is I can press on this. I can hit it. I can move it. And, you know, absolutely no more pain registers. Yes, there's a scar. Yes, that mark will be there for the rest of my life. But it doesn't trigger emotion. It doesn't cause me to react when I bump it against something as such. What is a hurt? A wound? A wound is unhealed. A wound would be just after perhaps when this had happened and I walked past the door and I just, you know what happens when you've bumped your toe and then it seems you just kick every door and every little thing on the floor for the next while because it's still a wound and there's this pain response, this flight or fright that kicks in. That's a wound that has not been healed. And Jesus can and wants to heal that wound. And so as the first step, first element is to forget what lies behind. The second one is to look forward. To look forward, to allow God to stir a, a dream and a vision, something new in your heart. To press on and to say, God, I'm pursuing a heavenly vision. For some of us, we need to repent. For some of us, we need to step back and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry, God, I've allowed my vision to be stolen. I've allowed my agenda to be determined by a spirit that is not your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I've allowed to climb into my heart things that were never there from you, burdens that you'd ever laid upon me to carry, God. God, I want to repent from the wicked ways. I want to repent from walking in ways that you have not ordained. I want to turn from that and I want to walk in the ways that you have ordained. For some reason, repentance has this stigma to it, like, whoa, repent, it's so bad. Repentance is one of the most beautiful gifts God has given us. It's the ability to change course and to change direction. It's the ability to realize that this path I'm going on now is not the path I want to be on. 
But God gives us the grace to repent and to turn, to turn towards Him firstly, and then to turn towards the path that He holds before us, that we too, you too, may lay hold of the heavenly prize. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God has a dream for you. Would you embrace it? Would you run after it? But it's going to require you to slow down, to listen, to realign, to change. Following God causes many of the things in our own hearts. It is so countercultural following Jesus. Some of the things that the world screams to us, we look and we say, no, the world is upside down for us as Christians. The world thinks as Christians, we are upside down. And when we look at the world, we think the world is upside down, but we love it. We don't judge them for that. We just realize that the only reason we are able to see the world slightly more right side up is because Jesus has healed. Jesus has restored. Jesus has made whole. And Jesus has given sight. And so I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you, for me, for you, that God would continue to give us sight. Perhaps you're here and you're saying, Philip, this is so great. I, I would love to, but I don't even know that I know Jesus. Never mind that. Heavenly calling, a heavenly purpose, a heavenly vision. Perhaps if that's you, I want to invite you to just pray with us. And purpose in your heart to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. You will wash away your sin. You will convict you of your sin. That's a hard but always. The realization that there is sin in our lives and there are actions and beliefs that need to be changed. He says to us, we should not be conformed to the image of this world. I saw a meme on social media, which I think has a lot of truth to it. That perhaps if we want to solve 80% of the problems in the world, we just need to turn our TV and news off for a month or two. Just go away from outside voices, outside agendas pushing in on us. That's not to take away from the reality of areas that are broken and that need restoration. There are very many of them. But the media has a way of building them up and giving them an unrightful place in our hearts. And we need to repent from that. We cannot be conformed in that context to the image of the world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so let's pray that together today, that God would continue to renew our minds and that we may follow him and seek the heavenly purpose. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word, which brings light and life. Thank you that you have a heavenly purpose for us, that you have a heavenly vision and a heavenly prize. God, we want to lay hold of that heavenly prize, just like Paul did. We want to press on. We want to keep on keeping on. We don't want to get swayed and distracted by the things of this world, Jesus. We want to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. And so we pray that you would come and wipe away, rip away, tear away, Every voice that is not from you, Lord God. Everything that we've allowed into our hearts to distract us from that purpose that you hold before us. Everything that's caused us to dis be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Lord, Come and take it away. Come and realign our focus that we may be obedient to the heavenly vision. Lord. God, I pray for those who perhaps do not know you or have drifted from you. I thank you right now for this moment that you draw us near to you. Lord. That your Hand is never too short to heal. And that even today you draw us back into your presence, Lord, that you want to lead us in a way everlasting. 
God, I pray for the many of us who still have woundedness in our hearts, who are walking around with wounded spirits, and I pray for grace that we may receive healing from you, Lord. God, I pray for grace that the enemy, the roaring lion, would not use those wounds to destroy us, that he would not use those wounds to destroy us, but that your life and your light would shine upon those wounds, that the cross would bring healing to our lives. And Jesus, we pray that as your church, we may continue to be salt and light to this earth. People living differently, not going the way of the world, but bringing healing and restoration to a very broken, dark and empty place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. I want to encourage you, keep praying. And perhaps if you have a prayer request, or maybe you prayed with us for the first time today, today you decided to follow Jesus. At the bottom of the screen here, there's a link. You can just follow that link. Fill in a form, and we would love to contact you, pray with you, speak with you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.